Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. So we're going to read today in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 14. I'll mention this in the message, uh, but the first two verses are uh, greetings uh, to uh, the Ephesian church, and verses 3 through 14 are actually, uh, in the original language, verses 3 through 14 is actually one long sentence. So when, you, uh, when we're reading that this morning, think of that, that everything from verse 3 through 14 is uniquely connected uh, uh, to uh, each part, is connected to another part in the reading. And the Apostle Paul uh, put it together in one long sentence to the glory of God. So begin reading in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him, in love, he predestined us to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end, that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Heavenly Father, we thank You once again for the reading of Scripture, and we pray, Lord Jesus, that today by the power of the Spirit, You would affirm to us once again that the power of God still works in the presence of Your people. That the power of God is manifest among your people. And Lord, as we set our eyes to the heavenly realms, as we set our lives according to what has been promised to us in the heavenly places, O oh Lord, you will care for all of those things in this natural realm that we have need of. Jesus, I pray today that by your gracious hand you would move according to the power of your Spirit and according to your very own will, God, that all that is said and done would be done to your glory. And that as your people, 
When we leave this place, we would do so rejoicing about the riches which the Scripture says you have lavished upon us. So we thank you, God, for these things. And we thank you for these moments that we have together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Before you're seated, share a hand of fellowship and greet one another in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, uh, we began a study in the book of Ephesians, and uh, we looked at it uh, through Acts 19, which is kind of the, the genesis of the Ephesian church uh, that started in a move of God. And uh, we looked at it in the context of uh, Paul writing uh, after that move of the Lord, probably some three to four years later or so, uh, writing this particular letter to the Ephesian church. And then we also uh, concluded by looking at about 40 years or so after the start of the Ephesian church, uh, the Lord Jesus' words to uh, the Ephesians in, uh, in Revelation uh, chapter 2 as one of the seven churches that he spoke uh, to in uh, the book of Revelation. So that sort of gives a little bit of context of uh, what we are beginning to jump into this week. The Ephesian church was a great mix of people from different backgrounds, uh, different cultures, and again, this move of God, which the Apostle Paul uh, affirms was part of, uh, writes to them here in uh, the, the, the letter to the Ephesians about the unity of the church and how these different cultures, different people from different backgrounds and different areas are to dwell together in unity with one another. And then again, that word from the Lord Jesus in uh, Revelation chapter 2 that affirms that uh, the Ephesian church was good at weeding out false teachers and heresies, but they had lost their first love. That was the condemnation of the Lord, that they had, were doing some good things in the midst, but they had lost their first love that uh, was emphasized back in Acts chapter 19 when the power and fire of God was fresh in their midst. They had, in some ways, seems lost the desire to be in God's presence. They had missed doing the one thing 
that David says in Psalm 27 and 4, that thing that he was going to seek when he says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In effect, what King David is saying, even prophetically saying in Psalm 27, is he's saying, I, I want to be or get into God's presence. I want to be in God's presence all the days of my life. And I, when, I'm, when I'm in God's presence, what I want to do in God's presence is I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to gaze upon His glory. I want to look upon His majesty. I want to see Jesus, and I want to sit in His temple, and that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. That one thing. He says that as I gaze upon or behold the beauty of the Lord, I want to inquire of the Lord. I want to know God's will. I want to know God's plan. I want to know God's presence, his desire for life, his desire for me, his desire for his kingdom. And all of these are tied together. All of these are tied together in one glorious exaltation to the Lord of being in his glorious, wonderful presence. And when we come to the book of Ephesians, what we see in the gospel message that the Apostle Paul articulates here is that there are some blessings or opportunities that come to us simply by being part of God's kingdom. And I would say to you today that if you say you're a believer, you say you're a Christian, there are some things that ought to happen that identify you or identify the Lord Jesus Christ as being your first love. So what identifies him as being your first love? I think like David, you want to be in his presence. You want to wait before him and worship. You want a sure word from him. And so the question I think that comes to all of us about what it means to be in God's presence, what we must ask ourselves is, have you and I lost our first love? Do we still have the joy of our salvation, that time when we first came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and His presence was new in our life and the feeling of being redeemed and being washed and being cleansed from sin? Or is that so far behind us that we don't even think about it anymore and we're just concerned about checking our boxes along the way? Ephesians, again, was a church that was born and being in the presence of God. Yet, they had lost their first love. It was so curious to me. And Paul is encouraging them just a few years after they started to be unified and focused, which can only come by being in God's presence. When we look at particularly at verses 3 through 14, as I mentioned, it was one long sentence. It was like Paul could not even think of stopping at any point as he was just 
from 3 through 14, I can imagine in my mind maybe that he's sitting there and he's pinning or he's dictating this to someone who's writing and his heart is just caught up in the glorious grace of God and he can't even stop the sentence. It just keeps flowing about how wonderful God is and about his grace and his riches and his power and his glory. And he can't even stop the thought because it just continues to flow. One Greek scholar on this particular sentence said that this is the most monstrous sentence I have ever met in the Greek language. Everything is connected from the blessings of Christ to the knowing of the will of God to our future hope. All of that is tied together in one beautiful and glorious sentence that exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. And its emphasis here is on the spiritual blessings that we obtain through our relationship with Jesus. And I began studying for this message several weeks ago and began putting this particular message uh, together. I actually tried to think I could get through 3 through 14 in one message. As I began studying, I think I can't even get through point one in one message. We're going to try one point today. We're going to try to get through one point today in that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. That's important for us to think about. You say to yourself, I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now that means a lot for someone who names Jesus as their Lord and Savior to say that I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And this is what this means. Because of our relationship with Christ, the storehouse of heaven is opened to us. And your blessings are primarily in the heavenly places. A few weeks ago, we talked about the need to kind of lift our eyes and sort of live in those heavenly places because that's what Jesus did. When the enemy would try to pull him down, Jesus would reflect and answer and respond with something from the heavenly place. Our blessings are primarily in those heavenly places, and that's why it's a necessity for us to live in and to be aware of the spiritual realm. And note the enemy's tactic is to convince us to only accept what we can sense through taste and touch and smell and sight and hearing. So what the enemy wants you to do is bring your existence all the way down here to what you can touch, what you can smell, what you can hear, what you can see. Bring your existence down here. And almost everything in the New Testament says, live up here. Exist up here. Think up here. Dwell up here, not down here. God's 
going to take care of everything down here for you. So in your mind, in your heart, live up in the heavenly realm. That's where all your spiritual blessings are. That's where your treasure ought to be. Moth, rust, all those things. Robbers can't break in and steal. Everything is in the heavenly realm. And it's been appointed for you. Don't minimize your existence down here. And so what does our culture teach? Our culture begins in a very young age to begin to teach about only what you can touch, taste, smell, hear, see. This is a scientific method in the West. We're very keyed into science because it's exact. We can say, oh, this is exactly how it's going to turn out. This is why we can launch a rocket in space. And before you launch it in space, you can project its trajectory. Amazing, isn't it? Because everything works in sequence. We can take our watches and the second hand ticks according to the movements of things that we don't even feel. We say it's exact. I know it's going to happen. I believe it. And yet, when it comes to spiritual things, the world around us says, that's not real. That doesn't exist. You can't trust in that. You can't affirm it every single time. You can't believe in it. You can't accept it. And Jesus says the exact opposite. So we always have to be careful when the world says, live like this. This is the way you should live. This is the way you should exist. We always have to be careful of that because God says, I'm taking the wisdom of this world and I'm flipping it on its head. Those who are foolish are the ones who the world exalts as wise. And Jesus says, come up into the spiritual realm. The enemy comes to attack against us in multiple ways so that we even negate the heavenly places and we desire whatever blessings there are to be fully manifest in the natural realm. And Paul says to the Ephesians, your blessings are stored up there in the heavenly places. Now, look with me at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16. Jesus here is talking about fasting. So there are things that the believer is called to do in the natural realm to help us pursue what's in the heavenly realm. Things we're called to do as believers that we do in the natural that help us to pursue what is happening in the heavenly or in the spiritual realm. Fasting is one of those. Prayer is one of those. And so in verse 16, Jesus says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. And otherwise, in other words, what Jesus is saying is that there are hypocrites who fast, and when they fast, they put on a gloomy face, and they talk about how hungry they are, but I'm doing this for God's grace and God's glory, and they're very public about it, and Jesus says they've got all their reward in the natural realm because they want to be seen by other people. And so when they're being seen by other people, 
people, they're getting their pat on the back, their reward. There's no heavenly reward for them at all. There's no opportunity for them to receive a heavenly treasure. And Jesus says, but you, in verse 17, when you fast, don't act like you're fasting. Anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In other words, what Jesus is saying, don't look out to the world and show that you're fasting, but let your heavenly Father who sees what you're doing anoint your face, wash your face, go out cheerful, go out happy, because you're doing this in order to achieve something in a heavenly realm, and it's a secret place up there that the world doesn't know about, but God's going to see in secret, and he's going to reward you for that. Get up into the, into the heavenly realm. He says in verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also where is your treasure think about it be serious with yourself this morning think about where is your treasure what do you think about the most what are you concerned about the most you see what happens when you try to step up into the heavenly realm you try to kind of get up and put your mind up into the the heavenly realm what the enemy is doing is saying come down here because your mortgage isn't going to be paid come 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 down here because you got to put food on the table come come down here because your health is suffering you got to deal with this you got to manage it come come down here in the natural realm because there's things going on that you've got to figure out how to deal with and the lord says to us Stay up in the heavenly realms where I take care of everything, where your clothes you don't have to be worried about. I'm going to supernaturally in some way provide. If you don't have clothes tomorrow, I'm going to provide for you, God says. If you don't have food, I'm going to provide for you, God says. Your health, your uh, opportunity, I'm going to provide for you because you know what? Your healing has already been provided for in the heavenly realm. You see, that's the beauty of being in relationship with Jesus. Because when you're in relationship with Jesus, you have the promise that all of these things have already been apportioned to you in the heavenly realm. Now, if I'm sick in body and I need a touch from the Lord, I know God is going to give me the strength to persevere and trust in my heavenly wealth that is set up before the Lord, that I'm looking for, that I'm uh, looking after, that He's going to take care of it. And I know something's going to happen. Either heaven is going to break in and heal me in the natural realm, or I'm going to break into heaven and be in the midst of Jesus and his glory. But my treasure stays the same. I'm not so concerned about what's happening down here. I'm going to try to manage. I'm going to try to do my best. I'm going to be a faithful steward. I'm going to do the things that scripture teaches me to do in order to walk through this life faithfully. But this is not where my treasure is going to be. Jesus says, manage your treasure in Matthew chapter 6, in the secret place, to get up in the heavenly realm. Not worried so much about what's going on in 
the natural realm down here. We look back at Ephesians chapter 1. Sorry, I don't normally print on the back of my pages and it's messing me up this morning. to the blessings of Christ in the heavenly realm. Secondly, you've been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. You have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. Now, remind, just to remind you here, Paul is writing to believers and regardless of your viewpoint on God's choice as it relates to salvation once you are saved God has chose you to be holy and blameless you must walk in holiness but for the Lord Satan's tactics and his means to pull you down into this realm is to say that even though you are in Christ, you are still dirty and guilty. And I would say to you this morning, be free from that in the name of Jesus. If you're in Christ and you struggle with guilt, you need to be delivered from that struggle. Christ has come and he has set you free from guilt and condemnation. Romans 8 and 1 tells us there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Those who are walking in the heavenly places not in the natural realm. There's no need for you to struggle with guilt and shame any longer when you are in Christ. A couple of weeks ago I had the opportunity to uh, come to our Celebrate Recovery uh, group that meets uh, here on Monday evenings at 6.30. And one of the things at Celebrate Recovery that they do at the beginning of the meeting, uh, everyone's together for a time of uh, worship and uh, some uh, things that they share together. And uh, when everyone is together, they'll either uh, have a testimony or someone will share a word. So it kind of alternates. One week it's a testimony, and another week it's a kind of a Bible lesson uh, from someone. And the week that I was here, it was a testimony, a video testimony <clears throat> of someone who had gone through the Celebrate Recovery uh, process or ministry and uh, had gone through some very challenging things. Challenging things had been done to him. He had done some difficult and challenging things. But one of the things that I've noticed every time I've seen one of those testimonies and every time I see someone who's truly free give a testimony is the joy of the Lord. No matter what kind of bottom of the barrel in the world that they have lived in, when Jesus kind of reaches down and picks them up and he sets their sight on the heavenly realm and the wealth and riches that God has for them, that he has appointed for them in the heavenly places. And when I say wealth and riches, I'm not talking about what's in your back pocket or what's in your purse. I'm talking about what's in Christ. When God sets someone's mind away from the things of this world and on the things of God in the heavenly places, what you begin to see is just that joy inexpressible and full of glory of someone who has been set free from the bondage and the guilt and the pain and what Satan wants to bind you up with is continually reminding you of everything that was back there 
In Christ, you have been chosen to be holy and blameless. It's a sin for us to continue to bear the guilt of the past. Sometimes we think we're being the humble person. I've done so much wrong. And we keep thinking about it. We keep reflecting on it. But I would say, do you think that Christ's work on the cross was not enough to bear your sin, that you have to keep bearing it for him? Third, this text says, in love, you have been predestined to be adopted as sons. You were not part of the family. But now through Christ, you have been predestined to adoption as sons. All of the riches and the inheritance of heaven are yours. There is now no distinction. You don't get more than someone else, and someone else doesn't get more than you, but you have been adopted into God's family as sons. A judicial and legal declaration that all the inheritance of Christ is your inheritance as well. Do we get that? Do I, do I get that? Do we really understand and affirm that the blessings of Christ, because we've been adopted into his family, are ours as well? 1 Peter 1, 1 through 9 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. When is the last time that you've greatly rejoiced? Rejoice in your salvation. When is the last time that you've greatly rejoiced in the power of God to redeem you from the iniquity of sin? When is the last time that we have greatly rejoiced in what Christ has done for us? You see, part of the inheritance we find in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people. God's going to dwell among his people. This is part of our inheritance, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, and the first things have passed away. Can you imagine a place without death? Our sister Autumn Nims lost her mother this week. She was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we hope in, in the promises of God, we trust in the promises of God, that Sister Mabel Durham is rejoicing in the presence of Jesus today, but our hearts mourn. Autumn, as her daughter, mourns the loss of her mom. But there's going to come a day when death shall be no more. Death shall be no more. See, that's the, that's the heavenly treasure that's up in here that i got to keep my mind set upon. 
Because when I get pulled down here, the world tells me all about death, dying, destruction, riots, evil, wickedness, sickness, everything else that's down here. But there's going to come a day, Scripture says, and something that I can hope in is that there will be a day when God himself will wipe the tears of pain and sorrow from our eyes, that there will be no mourning, no crying, no pain among us, that the old things will have passed away, and that death and all of those things will be no more. We ought to say hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout. Somebody ought to get excited about what God has done. We live in a very prosperous society. We think we are going through the struggles of Job because... Interest rates were at five and a half percent. I'm afraid this little cup represents some people, particularly in the Western society. Here's my cup, Lord. Fill it up. Do we? I don't know if we've ever sang that song here, but here's my cup, Lord. Fill it up. But not too much, Lord. Because I like things down here. I've got a nice house. My, my health is pretty good, except for my cholesterol report I got yesterday. My family's in pretty good shape. I can put $5 gas in my car. I'm okay. I don't, I don't really need a lot, Lord. Just fill me up a little bit so I can still be respectable, Jesus. And Jesus says, you've lost your first love. You've lost your first love. You better repent because you've lost your first love. You're content with what's down here when I've got glorious riches for you in the heavenly places if you just put your mind there. Somebody else says, yeah, fill me up, Lord. Uh, fill me up. I'll do a little more. I'll give myself to you. I'll commit what I, what I have to you, Lord. But I'm not willing to go so far as some of those crazy people go. You know, there's some people who in the spiritual things, they just kind of get out of control. I'm not willing to be in a place where, you know, people get a little wacky and I don't understand everything. Just fill me up enough, Lord, to just be blessed. Jesus said, I don't want that either. I don't want it either. In fact, what the Bible talks about when the Lord comes, when we're eager after the Lord, when we're truly a heart is after him, what the Bible talks about is a flowing to an abundance. And it's an ever-flowing flow that we actually long after want in our life and you know what the beauty is of this if it's just a few of us that we're all together and we begin 
to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I begin to be overflowed, there's stuff that spills onto somebody else. Oh, and then they begin to be filled to the overflowing, to the brim of what God wants to do. And I will tell you, even this little cup isn't a good illustration. This really is the good illustration of what God wants to do. An overabundance, an overabundance of flowing water in our life, an overabundance of what God wants to do. See, we, we think, okay, this is kind of foolish. This is a preacher being foolish. No, this is God being extravagant in your life. This is God being extravagant in your life, saying, I want to fill you. I want you to flow. I want you to live in the heavenly realm. I want you to dwell in the heavenly places. I don't want your mind caught on these things because Satan is going to pull. He's going to tug. He's going to drag you down. He's going to pull you down. He's going to try to get you out of the heavenly place. He's going to come at you with everything that he's got. But I'm going to pour everything I have out for you if you're willing to receive it. I believe that's what God wants to do among us. I believe that's what God wants to do in this church. I believe that's what God wants to do in our city with some people who are willing. And I can tell you right now, you might be the one who's got just a little bit of water, just a little bit. But if you're willing to say, God, fill me to the brim. Maybe the person next to you is at the brim and saying, fill me to overflowing. And some of that's going to splash on you. It just takes a few people who are sold out to Jesus to transform a church, a city, and a people. That's what God wants to do at Riverstone Church. That's what God wants to do in you and me. That's what God wants to do in us. That's what God wants to do in our city. He wants to fill us to overflowing. I pray that it happens for his glory. I pray that God moves in such a way that you and I can't control it. We can't put boundaries on it because then it's the Lord. Yes, I think we do all things according to the scriptures, all things according to what the Apostle Paul instructs us, what Jesus did. I think we keep it right down the line exactly as it was. But I think if he were here speaking to us or Jesus were here speaking to us, I think our minds would be a little blown and things would get a little different than what we've perceived between our two ears. Because when Jesus walked among the earth, people's minds were blown. Who is this? And I come to church, and I got things on my mind. I got people on my mind, places on my mind, kids on my mind, and I'm trying to get to a heavenly place, and I think I only get about that far. But this is why we're praying. And this is why we're seeking the Lord. And this is why we're going to be earnest. This is why we're going to have a healing and deliverance service in August. And we'll do another one in September. And we'll do another one in October. Another one in November if it takes it. Because I know deliverance. Someone was sharing. Conference, I was, and I believe it. Deliverance will bring unity. Deliverance will bring unity in the church. And Ephesians is all about unity. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray 
that God will help you get your mind in the heavenly place. God will help me get my mind in the heavenly place. That you and I would set our sights on that heavenly place where Christ and his riches and his glory and his power and his might are. And if we can't fully squeeze all that Jesus is into our mind, we're going to be okay with that. We're going to be okay with that. In order to be victorious, in order to see transformation, we've got to set our minds upon the heavenly place this morning. Let's lift our voices and our hearts to the Lord. If you all will come and lead us in a time of worship, the altars are open for you. Some of our prayer leaders, you were praying this morning as we were leading. I'm asking you to come. If you're there praying this morning, come and begin uh, to intercede that as a church, as a people, our hearts would be caught up to him. If you do not know the Lord, you're not in relationship with him. You know it because as I'm speaking it right now, the gracious conviction of the Holy Spirit is moving on you. His kindness is being lavished upon you. Through conviction. Not relationship with Jesus. Today is a day of salvation. Don't wait any longer. Feel him in your heart. I've been there. I know the feeling. Let me try to speak in your mind of your foolishness and what other people will will think. But if you you put yourself in the heavenly place Jesus says come to me all you who are who are heavy laden you are burdened you've got a burden I'm going to give you rest come to me come come to me Jesus says you need relationship with the Lord maybe you need restoration in your relationship with Jesus Word of the Lord affirms to us what Jesus speaks. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What you hear, what you sense this morning in the spirit realm is God saying, I love you. 
He has set his love upon you. He's speaking to you this morning. Come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. You've come this morning with burdens. The enemy is pulling. He's saying, keep your mind down here. You've got to manage it down here. You've got to take care of these things or you're going you're to be flooded under. By the word of the Lord, Jesus speaks to you this morning saying, come to me. I will give you rest for your weary soul. Overflow of abundance is in his presence. An overflow of abundance is in his presence for you this morning. here at the altar, at your seat. Make a focused effort to get into God's presence. Ask Him to show you. Lord, open my spiritual eyes. Open my spiritual eyes, Lord, to see the treasures of heaven. God, I see the treasures of people around me. I see the treasures that people hope after and fame and fortune. Vacations and cars, well-paying jobs. I see, I see the treasures that this world is after, political power, oppression of others. I see the treasures this world is after, Jesus, but Jesus, open my eyes to the heavenly treasure. Open my eyes, Lord, to the heavenly treasure. God, so that whenever the enemy comes about, I've got a vision of what it's like to be in your presence. I've got a vision of what it's like to not have to stand beside a casket anymore. I've got a vision of what it's like to not have to say goodbye to a loved one anymore. I've got a vision of what it's like to not have to help someone caught in addiction anymore. I've got a vision of what it's like, oh Lord, to not see someone else taken to the hospital because of drugs or alcohol. I've got a vision of what it's like, oh Lord, to not see someone despair to the point of death anymore because my, my mind, my eyes are set in the heavenly realm where my treasure is.
Bills can pile up on this sin. The health may not quite be what it ought to be. Family's not quite in order. God, I have to trust those things to you because I have to keep my mind in the heavenly realm. I can't take it down here. The battle is hot down here, Lord. I need to be up there. Open my eyes to see the heavenly treasure which has been lavished upon me in Christ. 